Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Mount Kilimanjaro is a dormant volcano located in the Kilimanjaro region of Tanzania. It is the highest mountain in Africa and the highest single freestanding mountain above sea level in the world. It is known as an extremely challenging trek. For Rabbi Dobed Khazdan, however, who summited just a while back, it was, and I quote, grueling and spectacular, painful and inspirational. I'm absolutely delighted to have Rabbi Khazdan on the show now to tell me all about it. Rabbi Khazdan, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share and to be part of the show. Rabbi, I actually saw your picture on Facebook and I was like, oh my gosh, that is so exciting. I didn't know anything about it until that photo. Tell me how it came about. So what's interesting is that I've had on my bucket list for for decades um, to count Mount Kilimanjaro and there were about two presentations that I actually went through over the period of time um, which were interesting, in, inspiring, yeah, I want to do it, and then it came to naught. Uh, so there was nothing. Went through the December holidays this year and was in Johannesburg. And on the 6th of January, I got a WhatsApp message from my brother-in-law in Montreal's brother, with whom I've done a lot of hiking trails in across America, national parks. And he said, we, we've decided last minute to do Kilimanjaro. Are you in? And I said, I'm in 100%. I'm in completely. Not even a question, I'm in. And then, yeah, then I looked at the calendar and I saw that I had yard site for my father on that Shabbos that would be in the middle of the week. So I messaged back and I said, no, 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 I thought, but I can't because I have yard site. And I, so he wrote back, no, we have a minion and uh, now come. Was well, you were able to say Kaddish? And from there, just like immediately, um, it was a, a rush of energy of how to prepare and how to get ready. Well, I think there is kind of, they do say that you cannot do Kilimanjaro if you are not prepared. And I think there must be a lot emotionally and mentally that goes between, yes, I want to do Kilimanjaro. I mean, I personally do want to do Kilimanjaro to actually physically and mentally preparing for it. What did you do? So um, it was literally swinging into action. It was uh, six weeks left. Most people had spent three months preparing. Um, so my, my life really changed four times a week, three times a week. I walked from my house to uh, Monroe Drive, which is two kilometers away. And then I walked up and down and then the next day up and down a few times. So three times a week, um, Monroe Drive became the testing ground and increasing the load on my back from one kilogram in my backpack, um, basically a litre of water, and then I moved on to five litres of water, and then two five-litre bottles, which is 10 here, and then up and down, up and down 10 times of Monroe Drive, and then walking back home, which was about uh, two hours. Um, but that, over the six weeks, became difficult, and then easier, and then easier. And then as it became easier, I stretched a bit and added more load and more times. So that was three times a week. And one time a week was Westcliff the steps. There are 209 steps. I can vouch for that. I've counted them numerous times. Also, began one time, two times, load increasing until eventually 10 times up and down. That's a, a lot of steps and a lot of people around you. So you actually meet a lot of people that are preparing for something or just looking after their health. Um, but what a way to start the morning in Johannesburg. It's dark. The first time up Monroe Drive was dark. It was like maybe a bit dodgy about uh, being there at that time. 
And then each time you go up another time, the sun is starting, and then just this magnificent view of the trees and the whole of Johannesburg underneath you with the sun coming up. There were magnificent moments that we often sleep through. Benefits. Those were magnificent moments, but I'm sure they paled into comparison on the mountain. But first, tell me how you get to Kilimanjaro and what it involves. I know you had your kosher food with you. How long did it take? And then the emotional, the emotional, um, needs that, that go into it. Sure. So we were, um, walking with, uh, Friendship Circle. That is a Chabad uh, international group with chapters in many cities around the world. And their role is to do something for children who have special needs. But interestingly, it's by utilizing teenage volunteers. So you actually have the recipients of kindness on both sides because the people giving, the people receiving, obviously receiving, and the people giving are maybe receiving more because they just looking at life differently. And, and this was now the catalyst for, for going up because it wasn't just a bucket list item of a challenge of a mountain, but it was being done with an organization that was charity orientated. Um, there was an expectation to, to raise nine and a half thousand dollars, which I said right from the start, I'm not up to because this is too short a time and in Rand it's different in dollars. Um, but I did put it up on the, on the board and, and Shaliza, we collected in South Africa more than any other, um, hiker. We collected over $15,000, about 280,000 rand, which will remain in South Africa for the use of the uh, Friendship Circle here and will benefit uh, both the givers and the receivers. So it's being organized by a religious, um, Jewish group. So they'd done it twice before. So the kosher had been arranged. They knew exactly, in this case, we took it from Moishe's Butchery, um, 46 kilo of meat and biltong, which I took up with me, flew to Nairobi, and then onto Kilimanjaro International Airport. So all of that was organized. The guys, um, the cooks um, who accompanied us knew exactly what to do. Um, there was also the preparation for Shabbos, which needed an Arab so they could carry from tent to tent. And there was... Somebody, one of the porters or sherpas carried up the staves, the sticks and the strings so we could demarcate the area. So for every problem that comes our way, there's always the attitude of, oh, how are we going to do this? Or this is a challenge. We're going to do this. So we're going to find a solution. And uh, how are we going to go Shabbos? So you don't want to walk on Shabbos here, but the, the recommendation is that the day before your summit, you actually rest on the mountain and get climatized to the altitude. And Shabbos played into that perfectly. After three days of hiking, we had Shabbos um, to climatize. So yes, all the logistical, religious, Jewish, um, it, it worked. And and um, I was like in a dilemma. Should I take my kapota, which I normally wear on Shabbos, my long black coat and black hat? They're not part of the mountaineering um, 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 gear that we were recommended to take. And we were recommended not to take an extra pair of socks because every little gram makes a difference. But I'm married for 41 years. I've worn it every single time. So should I dress different on a mountain? This is me. So I took it. And when I emerged from my little tent with my black hat and long back, the Sherpas, the porters, and even our group thought, thought Mashiach had arrived. This is so unexpected on the mountainside. <laughs> But it's fine. You know, you could find solutions and you can be yourself in such different circumstances. And what was it like 
actually climbing the mountain? Was it as exhausting? Were you prepared? Was all the preparation enough? I was, I think, very prepared for the way up. I uh, had gone through the, well, I hadn't ever walked as many hours and, and the altitude that we were confronting, but I felt strong enough. I'd, I'd really prepared um, physically. You mentioned emotionally before, even beyond emotionally is mentally. You, you have to be so singularly focused. Even for the training period of four times a week, getting up at 4 o'clock and leaving home at 4.30. Um, but Shelley, I, I was speaking to the kids at Torah Academy, and I was saying, when we have a goal and when we have a, a, a purpose and we own it and it becomes our own, we're excited about it, Things that are really difficult become easier. And if you're waking up for school in the morning because your teacher and because of your principal and because of the threat of punishment and detention, if that's how you're getting up in the morning, you've lost before you've even left home. When we wake up in the morning, what's the calling? What's this week's objective? And and it might be sport-orientated. It might be exercise-orientated. It might be learning-orientated. It might be religiously-orientated. It might be human personalities, interpersonal we, we can have a goal. And when we own our goal and it becomes our own, we master it. And, and the, the most difficult thing becomes easy. So that's like such a mental and emotional focus that I'm, I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to accomplish it. And then the mountain evolved into this metaphor. Like the, the mountain was the mountain we were hiking out there in Tanzania, um, far away. But we, we owned this mountain as as our own, our own challenges, our own difficulties, the impediments of life, the, this metaphor of a mountain that is within, my own mountain, what is my mountain? And all of the bravado that we use for mountain, I was like, interesting that we use very aggressive language when we talk about conquering mountains and the salt on the mountain. Okay, we, we're going to war and fight, we're going to achieve, we're going to smash this thing. It's all bravado. Like there's a lot of humility that settles in that there's something very much bigger than your normal circumstances. And here you're able to, to rise above. And how do we translate the mountain into my mountain? What are my mountains in life and how can this have a bearing on it? You said that you didn't struggle going up. Does that mean coming down was a lot harder? Yeah, you should be learning Gomorrah. Exactly that. You deduce from the... So I've been warned that the way down is hard because it comes after the night of the summit. And let me just tell you a few minutes about that. The night of the summit is uh, starts at quarter to midnight. We started at 11.45. We had had a few hours rest after that day's hike, Sunday. Um, and we were meant to sleep, but you don't necessarily fall asleep and there's a bit of anxiety and this concern and am I going to manage the altitude? And even if I'm physically strong, there's a, another dimension which they keep testing whether you have the, the right pulse and the, whether the oxygen is, is going through your body. They test us every single day. So according to 12, we started with a flashlight on our forehead. All that you see is the back of the boots of the people in front of you, of the person in front of you, single file, very slow and steady. You walk for six and a half, seven hours, zigzagging up this mountain, basically a, th- a kilometer up in altitude. Um, by the time you're reaching the top, you're breathing what would be similar to breathing with a suck in your mouth. 
you're sucking, you're sucking at the air. And again, your mind has to kick in because you could panic and you could start uh, gasping for air. But just to remain calm and to retain that calmness that I'm going to, I'm going to manage this. I'm going to, uh, that focus is, is what would hold you together. The silence of that night was so to all the days until then, because all the days there war cries and we're singing and we're screaming at one another and there's this group dynamic that's pulling you and all the messages coming from South Africa and then the incredible reinforcement and, and they, that was the, 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 the wind in my wings was this, this, everything around me was, was like really pushing me, propelling me up. But for that last night, that last night was nobody else. There was silence. There was a battle going on inside of oneself in that silence of the darkness of night, mastering and holding on to every last energy that you have to get up that mountain. And, and it really was grueling. And you finally get up to Gilman's Point. You're at the top of the volcano. You see a glimmer of light on the horizon. You then move to um, the next summit, the next uh, a more elevated uh, place, um, which is a second point. And then on an hour after that, about an hour and a half on top walking to get to the to the very top, which is just under 6,000 meters, 2,000, 20,000 feet. Um, and the sun is rising and you look down and you see the clouds thousands of feet below you, uh, you're in the sunshine, the sunlight, it, it is eerie, it is, and you feel like just so elated that you've made it to the top. And then you're at the, at the backdrop of the, of the sign, the billboard with uh, Kilimanjaro, and we had a group set, and then I had a, so no, no, I have another flag, and I pulled out my great park flag, and I had another flag, some academy flag, and everyone was saying, get this guy off the mountain, he's got too many flags, and we're supposed to just be up for 10 minutes. That's what it is. You, after all of that effort, you're on top for 10, 15 minutes. And then it's like we're going down. You can't stay here. The air is like too thin. So that became a whole talking point about like goals and achieving goals. And you think that after all of that effort, you've got to at least spend a few days there because of all the effort. No, you needed to get to the top. That was your goal. But it was really about the journey and about the preparation, about the aura surrounding it. And then, as we began talking about the day way down, it snowed on that Shabbos. There was about three inches. It was turned to ice at that level. Your drinking water, which is a camelback, you've got a pipe that goes to your water supply in your backpack. So that only lasted the first hour of that night because then it froze. And they advised you, they said, well, carry a bottle, but carry it upside down because water freezes from the top. So if you carry it upside down, it will freeze at the bottom. And then when you drink, you, you water. So these are all practical things that uh, they gave us advice. The knees on the way down were literally buckling from the holding back and holding your weight and your backpack on the way down. But um, grueling as that was, you are carried by, by again, your, your mind, your, your emotional thoughts, your feelings, your, you, you, you carried and, and you made it down to the bottom, Darwin, and then walked another 10 kilometers to the next. So we'd been going for like something like uh, 18 hours and, and you're going on adrenaline, you're pumping with energy. <laughs> and there are so many life messages. Uh, uh, I see time has, has moved on and I will be having opportunity to share practical real life messages that you take from the mountain. But where will you be doing that? Yeah, please, please tell us where. 
So we're going to have a session at the um, community center, the Rabbi Cyril Harris Community Center at uh, Great Park. Um, that is going to be the last week of um, of, uh, of of May, of sorry, of March, which is uh, let me just get it over here. It's the twenty eighth of March at the Rabbi Cyril Harris Community Center at the Great Park. At 7.30, so that's going to be a session uh, over here. And there will also be a webinar with uh, Howard Saxton and the Jewish people. So there will be various other occasions. And I'm trying to share as much as I can because I've been so inspired and want to share some of the mountain air. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I'm, I'm inspired by listening to you. I'm not sure I'm inspired enough to go and climb the mountain, but certainly, as I said, I'd, I'd love to just to see the mountain for me would be ticking off my bucket list. But thank you so much, Rob. I feel like I don't have to climb the mountain because you did on, on, and you've shared it. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for the opportunity and have a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful weekend. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom. That was Rabbi David Khazdan sharing his experiences of summiting Kilimanjaro.